Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 58 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. Thank you for joining us on another uh, wonderful Monday afternoon here on the uh, East Coast anyway. Well, I guess barely afternoon, 12.01 here. Mr. Hughesong, thank you for joining us. It's still afternoon. It is. I'm technically factually fake, not fake news. Not fake news. One for one on claims on the show today for accuracy. (laughs) That'll end quickly. Um, (laughs) How was your weekend? It was terrific. It's been busy. That's good. Uh, Yeah. Well, shocking, right? Well, I mean, for you, anyway. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I've got some family in town. I am now an uncle again. My little sister had a baby down in Tampa. Oh, congratulations. So welcome to the world, Mason Ryan Short. What a world he's welcoming. Oh, into. yeah. God love him. He's he's excited. He's, he can handle it. He's a big kid. Um, so congratulations to my sister. And then it's just been wild. Uh, amusement park Thursday, up to a farm on Friday, out to the lake Saturday. I don't remember yesterday. Uh, oh, I worked at the ice cream shop. Very diverse weekend. It's, it's been weird. It's been a weird couple of days, even even by my standards. But today after this, I just got to do some work and then nothing. And I, I'm so excited for one day. I guarantee you by like 8 o'clock, I'm going to be looking around and getting itchy like, uh, what are we going to do? You're going to finally fear, feel like what it's like to be me on a daily basis. <laughs> I can't do it. for nothing. Makes me, I got into yesterday at the ice cream shop. We got very, very busy. We had gone home to have a family dinner. We were looking at the cameras, realized they were busy. We jetted out the door, headed back in there. And it was the weirdest thing is we're in the midst of chaos. There's people going everywhere. There's a line around the drive-thru. There's a line out the door. We're doing dishes. We're running around. And I had like this moment of calm, like, ah, this feels right. And then I was like, I don't want to tug on that thread as to why that's normal, but let's just leave that alone. Well, well hopefully we'll get to uh, uh, a, a way to disconnect from all that here for at least an hour. I love it. This is this is where I just unload all of the pent-up uh, anxiety and thoughts. How was your weekend? Uh, very uneventful. Uh, no no events this week at, at the uh, my facility there, so I uh, did a lot of cleaning and uh, organizing for uh, this upcoming week. But uh, Nice. Did you watch any of the... Uh, uh, sports over the weekend, NBA or golf? No, <laughs> not a thing. I didn't think so after hearing to that, but we'll yeah. get into that a little bit. Shocking. Um, we're going to talk about our favorite brothers, the Cuomo brothers. Love those dudes. They're so hip. Yeah, they are. So cool. <laughs> so righteous um, and ethical. And we get to bring that right into my one of, I, I, I misspoke on a previous podcast. Maybe it was two podcasts ago where I said my favorite news story was Bitcoin, but you know what it is? It's Epstein is my favorite news story. I, that's, I, that's foolish for me to yeah. just... I, this is my favorite. So we get to tie the two, Cuomo Brothers and Jeffrey Epstein this week. So that's fun. You're in like your own personal nirvana at this I've been moment. trying to figure out how to tie those two together from the beginning. And here they just, <laughs> they knew the whole time. And I was. There was a gift from yeah. God. There you go. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit. I don't, just some, some weird facts. We don't have any uh, news breaking stuff, but I kind of want to touch on the Haiti assassination. Their president was assassinated uh, July such as go eighth or ninth eighth it was the eighth actually it was the eighth okay but anyway so we'll talk about that a little bit some uh possible u.s involvement maybe some vaccine news i'll tie into that stop this there's no way we would ever just go in and knock out a leader we didn't like of a foreign country and then speaking of the white house um (laughs) well well done (laughs) um well done we're gonna we're gonna, they've, uh, press secretary Jen Psaki came out and said that, uh, the white house is going to flag some social media posts. So we got that to look forward to. You think I'm on the list? 
I mean, I'm sure if you're not, why have a list? Honestly. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. let's just call that what it is. Um, speaking of that, because this kind of goes hand in hand with our next thing and our next two things, really. So I'm hearing the beat drums for uh, masks and lockdowns again here coming in the fall. Is this seem- it worked so well last time. I guess. So I guess that's being talked about uh, in lieu of maybe a revolt by the American people if that happens. And then I want to talk about something we've talked about a couple times here, but more of a specific angle here. Ivermectin still in the news. Well, technically, I guess not, not in, the in the news, even though it should be in the news. Um, I had, uh, I was, I was a guest on the, uh, a free solution on Friday and we talked about this a little bit, uh, in that show with, uh, their host, uh, Tim O'Connor. And, uh, we talked about some of the stuff. So I want to kind of re go over, uh, these, instances of ivermectin being used successfully in new york and what has taken to actually get them um into uh into being you know into patients actually so there's been a a long uh list of obstacles that have uh, prevented that uh up until now so but let's go back and touch on some sports um and you guys may notice that the people who are watching the video here i'm gonna try to uh entertain you a little bit with our tv screen behind us here and get you uh, maybe some video graphics. Look, it worked. Um, so the NBA Finals, Game 6, Game 5, sorry, Game 5 um, was a really good guy. I know you said you didn't watch it, but uh, Suns, this was a uh, in Phoenix, so Game 5. Home team had won each of the first four games. And uh, Phoenix is out to, like a, I think it was 37-23 first quarter lead, up by 14. I turned it on. I'm like, oh, I'll begin the second quarter. It's over. And it was far from over. You were um, wrong. Yeah. Actually, at some point in the fourth quarter, the Bucks were up 14. So they had made some crazy, wow. like, you know, they, they basically just dominated from the second quarter on. So yeah. um, it got exciting down the end, though. Uh, there was a chance. uh Giannis missed, missed two free throws. They were up one, missed two free throws. Phoenix got the ball uh, stolen by Drew Holiday. Alley-ooped Giannis, got fouled. That kind of ended all within the last like four or five seconds. So there was a chance right for Phoenix to kind of retake the lead in the last seconds, and um, Drew Holiday made the play. So, But anyway, elimination game for the Suns here coming in Milwaukee. That game will be tomorrow, Tuesday, 9 p.m. So uh, all you basketball fans or NBA fans, you can uh, check on that. Did you? And you said you didn't want – yeah, go ahead. Giannis's comments after the game about ego and pride was one of the best two minutes of any athlete talking that you could possibly listen Giannis to. Giannis is easy to root for. I didn't I didn't hear what you're talking about, but I feel like they asked him, like they said, You seem to have your ego in check, which is very rare for somebody your age who taught you that. And he said, Life. He goes, Anytime you start talking a lot and you like, I'm so good, I did this, I did that you're just going to be terrible the next couple of days. And then if you start claiming things for the future, like I'm going to go do this and I'm going to run it on you, I'm going to do all this, you're going to suck. He goes, That's pride. the past is pride, the future is ego, so I just try to focus on the moment. I've really tried to master that mindset. And it was so good, I actually showed it to my son. And I was like, look, you, this is something you need to understand. And, and for all of the flack we give athletes for the nonsense that they talk about, and my God, there's plenty, it was just about a two-minute-long clip of somebody at the highest possible level of athletics explaining what is a base thing that I think everybody in our country and most people worldwide struggle with on on controlling your ego and, and really just focusing on the task more than the result and, and not letting your pride and ego get in the way. And if you haven't watched it, it's worth checking out. It's a great it. two-minute clip. 
And it's just, it's a great lesson. It's a great reminder. And it's good to see somebody in that position be the one giving that message to come out and say, no, I don't come out and talk a lot. I don't, I don't talk about how great I am or do this, or I don't make claims. And I try to forget about any past success. Cause the minute I start forgetting, I start remembering it. I'm going to suck. It's a phenomenal two minutes. If you have a chance, watch it. I wonder if that's going to get a lot of airtime. Doesn't sound like it will. Doesn't seem Probably like it's gonna, yeah. Doesn't seem like the right kind of uh, instigating uh, article to uh, there. Let's switch. Let's switch sports to the Open Championship, Mister Hughesong. I know you said you didn't watch any golf, um, but Colin Morikawa, yeah, beat up uh, or actually came. I think uh, Louis Oosthuizen was actually in the lead going into round four. Uh, and Morikawa maybe have been second, but Usti didn't have a great Sunday, and neither did my DraftKings team because of it. But I did have Jordan Spieth, Louis, and Brooks in my lineup, so that was a solid lineup. I mean, you know, good, good as it could get, I guess, without having Morikawa in there. Right. But Morikawa wins his second major. It's good. Still him. only like twenty three years old or some, something. Um, another guy was easy to cheer for. Another guy, yeah. Uh, and I was going to say, kind of tying in Giannis, uh, he has this. Uh, his past is I can't putt, but in the majors he seems to figure it out. So um, you're gonna figure it out anywhere. Yeah. Congratulations to uh, Colin Morikawa again, another uh, athlete easy to root for. Um, like I said, it was tough to watch a lot of it because you know it starts at one in the morning and uh, finishes. You know sometimes I could wake up and watch a little bit of it, but it was tough. But yeah, I I, I root for Colin Morikawa in general, uh, even though I didn't have him my DraftKings team this week. So a successful DraftKings and successful uh, uh, I guess golf weekend. So. Another guy easy to root for. Let's let's talk to some people who are not easy to root for, Mr. Hughes. So let's change this up a little bit. So you're familiar with our governor, yeah? Oh, vaguely. Uh, did you know that on Saturday he uh, was part of a um, investigation? They, the uh, attorney general uh, finally got to uh, the uh, main suspect in the investigation, the governor, um, after uh, talking to his uh, closest aides there a couple of days prior. So we haven't really got any information of what was done there. I'm not expecting to get some uh, any kind of leaked information of what was happening there. But do we still think anything's going to happen from the governor in this investigation, impeachment? Uh, do you think he's still going to run for office? What do, you, what do we think is going to happen here? Of course. So he's going to run for re-election, 2022, yeah? Yeah. So I don't disagree. Um, I'm, I was wrong back whenever. I figured he was going to get out of here, you know, a year ago, I thought he was out of, out of Dodge, or maybe not a year ago, at least a couple months ago. I never shared your optimism. No, I know. And a lot of people didn't. So and you guys were right. So, um, but yeah. Like, what way, contest way in right. hell did I win? <laughs> um, will there be a significant challenge after all this from the left, though? That's going to be the bigger question, right? Will the Dems put up somebody? They're going to put up somebody. Sure. Um, because they, they literally could not not put up somebody. Like, if they didn't, they would be like, okay, well, this was all. We all we all made this arrangement way ahead of time. Thanks. I mean, I'm not sure they're going to. Like, I, I hope they do. They, they will. Should, but this guy has. I don't know what he's got, but he has something on people. Like, he is. He's following the Ralph Northam playbook of just, just keep saying no. I'm not resigning, and I shouldn't. And that's it. Yeah, and eventually, no. they'll stop asking questions. And they stopped. They. It's not even a thing anymore. It's crazy to me that this guy literally put an executive order in place making. Senior citizens with COVID go back to nursing homes. There's been multiple studies done that have said probably about a thousand people died unnecessarily as a direct result. Then he came out and denied that he ever made the order. Then he came out and said the order was just complying with federal guidance. All of that is de- demonstrably false. And then he came out and uh, 
covered it up. Covered up data. Like, just pretended like we didn't have that data. Well, though, he had to write a book. I mean, obviously. I mean, he had to sell a book. Oh, my God. The book. And in the same time frame, the, the Hospital and Nursing Home Association, which he, as a budget item at the last minute, gave blanket immunity from any liability for COVID-19 deaths. No negligence deaths because of COVID-19. Didn't get voted on just as a budget item that he threw in at the last second after they donated a million dollars to his re-election campaign fund. I mean, obviously, hugely important for his 2023 race that he needed a million-dollar donation in 2020. That's just a coincidence that then he gave them blanket immunity. Then he goes out and writes a book. Writes whoa, whoa, whoa. a book. His staff wrote the book. Staff writes a book while he's actively covering up data that he knows is damning and would make him look bad. And then the publisher gives him, what was it, a $5 million advance? Yeah. Was that the number? 5.1? 5. 5 and the book, like, it sold out. They, they paid him $115 a book. It was a best-selling book. I don't know one person that read it. I don't know one person that bought it. This is bribery on the The government most, bought it. Listen, my guess is a bunch of SPACs and donor groups bought a bunch of copies as giveaways, and that's how they sold it. And I, I'm so, so confused how anybody can look at this guy and be like, he's definitely the man to be in charge of the state for sure, and probably president because he's on the right path. And then you just throw in on top of it, it turns out he's been sexually harassing anything in a skirt for the last 10 years and making inappropriate comments, making women feel genuinely uncomfortable and sometimes just awkwardly coming on to them and other times like going way beyond what is the bounds of appropriate behavior. And yet somehow we're, we're just supposed to go, oh, okay, yeah. Yay, Andrew. It's... It's a weird world. It's mind-boggling. Like, there's none of what I just said is even controversial or, or even debatable. These are all just the facts of what happened. And yet, the media has no interest in covering it. People have no interest in talking about it. People have no interest in knowing about it. And they just go, yeah. And what's really, really sad is there is no way for anybody from the, the right to mount an actual opposition to him for governor. So it has to come from the far left. And I don't think they're going to. That's what's so sad. I will say that Lee Zeldin outraised Cuomo the last quarter. Not that that matters. Well, he's I mean, it still matters, sitting on the not. money that he's been raising since 2020 with the with the help of the hospital association. Well, he's got 18 million in the bank. So, yeah, this. I mean, this is nuts. I, I, what would it take? Yeah, I honestly, don't know. what would it take for somebody to go? Yeah, he's bad. We should probably, you know, vote him out. Or there's no recall measure. Like, there's no impeachment measure. Like, no. There can be impeachment, but there's no recall. There's no recall measure. Like, what would it take for for you to actually lose faith in somebody you voted for? What do they have to do? Yeah. This is like the Trump version of you could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and your percentage wouldn't even go down, and it's true. Like, this is crazy. Well. And sad. And Crazy and sad. And <clears throat> let's bring up Andrew Cuomo's. Little brother, the one who helped him uh, navigate through the media maze that is sexual harassment He's navigation. Smart. He's got ideas. So his brother, Chris, <clears throat> Fredo, <clears throat> excuse me, let me clear my throat here before I can get my Fredo. Yeah, so Chris Cuomo, Sorry. Um, I'm going to try to pull this back up again here on the uh, big screen behind me. It's not working. I don't care. Stop screwing um, up. So he knew, get this story. Did you hear about this story, how this Jeffrey Epstein's second address book, Little Black Book, was found? No. So we're aware of this big Jeffrey Epstein uh, book that was um, 
1,500 pages, I believe it was. No, it was 1,500 names or 1,500 entries, whatever it was. This one had 349 names. But it was found by a musician in the mid-'90s in the East Village on the ground. Awesome. She kept it. She kept it in her value possessions because it had all these names in it, right? Because she was like, "Oh, I know these has names, whatever." Some of them, a lot of overlap. Two, like two hundred were new names, but there was like a hundred names that overlapped from the previous book, so they can kind of now date back their uh, relationships even farther back. And somehow we got the uh, NBA up here in the back, so that's probably not good. Um, but so anyway, this musician keeps this book. Decides later, like the, last year, that oh my god, this is Epstein's book. Talks to somebody. They put it on eBay. I love this so much. Somebody buys it for $475. Obviously. Seems I would have bought it. I would have definitely paid more than that. $500 if I would have known. We could have definitely go fund me to get this thing going. And so, but the guy bought it was uh, a little bit skeptical, not knowing whether or not it was, but then kind of figured out like, hey, this actually might be a second book and so on. And uh, so Business Insider, uh, Publishes the the new black book. They published the original fifteen hundred pages too, actually. So um, there's another another new black book, and one of the names that's getting uh, uh, drawn attention to is Chris Cuomo's wife was in that book, Christina Grieven back in the day. Apparently, she was a socialite that hung out in New York City socialite circles. Sure, with one said maybe Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. I mean, it seems like. Do you think it's weird? We've mentioned this before, and I know I've mentioned it a freaking 100 million times, but isn't it weird that all these girls end up marrying people of influence, whether or not it's politicians, media people, financial gurus, scientists, whatever it is. They All these girls that were kind of groomed under this Epstein umbrella basically end up finding their way uh, married to people that they probably shouldn't be married to. Or they can be married to them, but they find out maybe they're they're purposely married to them. Yeah, it's weird. I, like, this is a world I don't understand, the world of wealthy socialites, or socialites, sorry, I was going to call them sociopaths, but, you know, we'll, we'll jam those together. Um, that, it, I maybe it's normal, I have no idea, but it is, it is funny, and it's, it's probably worth, you know, looking into further, that this just keeps happening, that, that these girls that are somehow um, connected to Jeffrey Epstein for a long time, later end up marrying people in celebrity or power or politics. Uh, and at the same time, like, it's weird if you were just from the outside looking in, if I explained to you that, well, this guy is the the leading anchor at, at a news station that, that just does news, no opinion. Uh, his father was the governor of one of the biggest states in the union for, you know, two or three terms, and then his brother's the current governor who's under the investigation multiple times, and his brother is the lead anchor at the all-news network. You would laugh. You'd be like, is it because he was the most qualified guy to get the job? Yeah, that I don't know. Yeah, I, so, like, you want to talk about what's weird is how does Chris Cuomo get the job in the first place? It's not by merit. Who are we kidding? Dumbbell curls? I mean, obviously. Have you seen that thing where he fake, fakely lifted up a 100-pound dumbbell? No. That's a real thing. Real. It's a real thing. Joe Rogan I talked can't about it. Stand this guy. They were basically they brought it. They brought he was he was behind a bench like ho- holding a hundred pound dumbbell over his head, and you know clearly it was not a hundred pound dumbbell because the guy some like suit strongmans were like going at Joe Rogan being like, "There's no way his elbow could have held in place on, in that in that way it was or something." I don't know. Whatever. He's a goofball, but 
Apparently he uh, has enough uh, influence between his family and maybe his wife's previous connections, uh, connections uh, to make it work for him anyway. Yeah, this is this is just rot all the way through the system. So weird, and it's like maybe it's all on the up and up, but it's a lot of people that are in that black book that are ending up in these positions. It's it's a lot of people that were connected to Jeffrey Epstein, and maybe it's he went after them because they were in those positions, but. Who was Chris Cuomo in the mid nineties? Like, you know who else was in the book? This the new new names. Hit me with it. Morgan Fairchild. Wow. Yeah. Apparently, right. apparently, Epstein had a thing for Morgan Fairchild. You know who else is in there? Which is uh, interesting. John Castamitis. Do you know him? He's like a billionaire real estate developer in New York City. He has his own little thing. He's kind of a Trump guy in general. But Steve Ratner, remember him? Mm-mm. He was the uh, Obama's auto czar. Oh my God! I can't believe that was a thing. Carl Icahn. I know who Carl Icahn is. Yeah. Not shocked, but given his connections to finance. Let's see if I can scrim down through here and look for some other names that might be uh, of relevance here as I pull up these 349 people. There's Christina Grieven again, Morgan Fairchild, Martin Perez, uh, former Harvard professor, owner of New Republic. Sure. Longtime mentor to former Vice President Al Gore. Shocking. So, yeah. Here's John Castamitis again, Steve Ratner, Carl Icahn. I don't know who Beth Ann Bovino is, Dominique Budhorn, June, Jill Barth, Ed Field, Robert Nunnery. I don't know. I would check out this uh, Business Insider. It's a kind of paywall, but you can find it through an archive service there. But another black book in the world with names tied to Jeffrey Epstein. How great is that? Uh, it would be I mean, great other if than the people who are some answers out of this. Yeah, well, I mean, other than the people whose names are actually in the book, it's probably not great. I just want answers. We're, not gonna ever, we're never going to get answers. Why? How did this man get into this much money and this much power? Well, we know. We know that part. Uh, we think we know. Well, I mean. It's pretty certain. But there's just details that that we don't know. And maybe it's better if we don't ever find out. I don't know. But I think for the most part, there's a quote. I don't remember who said it. Maybe it was Thoreau or somebody who said, give me truth above all else. Above happiness, above security, above good feelings, give me truth. And that's all I want is I just want to know the truth. I can handle it, I think. I'm not sure I can, but I think I can handle it. <laughs> well, that's the whole. I think that's the whole point, though, right? So, like, that's why I got tr- getting too deep. If you're, if you, you say you can handle it or you can't handle it, but like, you'd rather have the option of being able to handle it. That's the right. whole point, right? So, like, yes. I don't know if I can handle it or not, but like, give me the truth and I'll figure it out from there. There you go. And if I can't handle it, life will still go on. Correct. It's just what happens. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. Well. I could say we're talking foreign policy, and I'm not sure how much gears we're shifting. But anyway, so seriously, it's, it's crazy. I know. How do I link all this? It's so easy to link all this stuff together. Of course it is. Because so open a history book. So we have a we have a president of Haiti, uh, Jovenel Moise. I don't know. I'm Love just, that guy. Just trying to whip it, wing it Love out there. So so guy. he was uh, assassinated. Uh, I don't know, like like a ten days ago, something like that. Um. News unto itself, for sure. Uh, the So a, a video clip, uh, which basically just has audio. Did you listen to the video clip that uh, Breaking Points played? It was from Sagar and Crystal Show. No, they I played, read the article, but so, I didn't watch it. So the they video. played a, a video clip, and you can hear, you know, as they're, the, the, you can hear the event unfolding in the background, basically, through the video camera. And you hear people yelling, this is a DEA agent. This is a DEA agent. This is the DEA. So they're yelling in English. This is the DEA. Now it's a little. There is an accent, but I mean, it's they're clearly they're they're implying that they're the DEA. Sure. 
great, great cover. Don't get me wrong. If that's how you're going to get people to stand down, that's an excellent way to do it. Don't get me wrong. But that was, that was part of the thing. So whatever. So it turns out going forward that now there's a bunch of U.S. ties to this hit squad. This hit squad, yeah. So there's this Colombian mercenaries, supposedly Colombian mercenaries, with the help of uh, that were hired by some security firm in Florida and that may or may not have CIA ties. We'll go there some other day. Um, hired these mercenaries in Colombia to assassinate uh, this, the Haitian president, sir. So um, successfully, I might add. And apparently these uh, mercenaries were trained by the U.S. military. As we're with several of them being informants for the DEA and the FBI. Shocking. So <laughs> what, what the hell? I mean, is this meddling in foreign affairs? Is this like affecting elections? <laughs> or this, is this worse than Facebook posts? <laughs> I want to know. I mean, marginally. Depends on how many Facebook posts we're talking about that the Russian hackers uh, in buried us with. But like, listen, this is crazy. And yeah, you could say there's always, you could always justify it. Of like, well, we train people all over. Like, yeah, we we do have a tendency of like training people in the, the Mexican right government how to torture properly to get information, and then it turns out they work for Mexican drug cartels because that happened. We're training people in Colombia to do these things that are working for cartels and governments and, and whatever else. And then it's a, okay, so the guy that we trained along with other guys that we trained just happened to go to Haiti and whack a president while screaming they were DEA. Oh, and they happened to be, and I'm going to put the air quotes on this, informants for the FBI. Maybe they're former informants. And DEA. Maybe they're former informants. Well, I mean, I would certainly claim they were former now. Good Lord. Like, the FBI is not stupid, but they do have a pattern of this. They have informants that then end up doing heinous things, and they're like, see, we were able to solve it because of our informants. Like, yeah. And it's not just one, two, or one. Seven of the 25 so far arrested have been with U.S. connections, just, just for the record. It's outstanding. I mean, think about it, though. Like, how in the world do you get 25 people together to carry out an assassination and no one leaks? No one, no one, like all the spying we're doing around the world, you're going to say we didn't know this was coming. 25 people were involved and seven of them were informants and we didn't want to call the Haitian president and be like, hey, just a heads up, this one dude, I don't know about the other 24, but the one dude from Colombia is no joke. You're, we trained him really, really well, our bad, but you may want to beef up the security. Can I hypothesize a reason why that would call would not have been made? Yes. So, I'm going to hopefully get the dates right. June 8th, Bloomberg reports uh, that not a single vaccine has been administered in the country of Haiti. And they don't know when vaccines are going to be there. Uh, there is conflicting reports whether or not uh, President Moisoy, Moise, whatever his name is. Moisoy. Um, whether or not he was uh, responsible for there being no vaccinations or not. Um He's assassinated on July 8th, and on July 15th, half a million vaccines show up on the Haitian, you know, being committed from the U.S. Uh, do you think there's any kind of uh, weird, I don't know, quinky dink there going on? I'm just hypothesizing. Why do you do this to me? Because you love it. Why? Like, why? Can't we tie everything back to the vaccines yet and Epstein? That's the whole goal. I don't understand what the end game is with the vaccines, though. I just don't understand. Compliance. Yeah, I guess, but. For the next one. 
I mean, if that's true, I, everything you said is true, but let's just say it's a coincidence. I, it's weird. And again, it fits in with the idea of like seven of the 20, a 25-man hit squad, like 25 people are involved. Now listen, to paraphrase Ben Franklin, three people can keep a secret if two are dead. That's it. Like 25 people aren't keeping their mouth shut, especially when we knew seven of them were informants. What were they informing the FBI and the DEA about? They're either doing their job poorly. Or doing it perfectly. That's way exactly more right. concerning. For sure. So, like, you didn't plan this overnight. It's not like you got 25 people all into the country and just on a whim were like, oh, look, an opportunity. This requires planning and tracking and scheduling and everything else that they obviously were probably carrying out for weeks. Months, actually, yeah. Right. So then all of a sudden it just, like, you you didn't you didn't know? And I hope it's not the vaccine, but there's got to be some reason we didn't tell this guy that it, that it was coming. I mean, listen, this guy's tried to, you know, this guy was trying to change the Constitution and try to stay on. So, like, there's, there's probably a bunch of reasons why this guy probably wasn't a good president. I don't, I don't really know enough about Haitian, you know, political politicus uh, to kind of evaluate that. But the the timeline is weird, and the circumstances surround his death are even weird. So it just is weird. weird. I don't understand this. I don't want that to be the case that they were just doing this because he was opposed to the vaccine, and then it's coincidental that they just got a half a million doses right after he died i mean never let a crisis go waste i guess so seriously why do you do this to me (laughs) let's let's talk about your boy joe biden love him so the white house well is that really joe Joe biden's not really saying anything he can't even form a sentence the the white house with the mascot of joe biden um had their press secretary come out and uh, say they're working with Facebook to flag problematic posts that spread disinformation, Mr. Hughesong. It's not, it's not concerning. Um, she says that the uh, administration has created an aggressive policy systems to spot misinformation and be flagged by social media companies. She also said that she thinks that if you're banned on one social media company, you should be banned on them all. What do you think of all, what do you think about the White House telling Facebook uh, what they can and cannot remain on their site and do we think that's a violation of the first amendment i mean obviously yes like I, even if they don't make it a law. i know it's a private this, this has always been the, the argument right facebook's a private company youtube's a private company okay but if the white house is saying hey you you have to take this down that's i mean what is that that's no longer that's not the government's place like listen i get that they didn't actually pass a law or anything else and i understand that and i'm not telling you they're doing anything objectively illegal at this point if you support this, I don't understand you as a human being. Like, it's not the government's place to be even influencing, because the government's supposed to be the ones regulating Facebook. So if you ran this company and then the president's press secretary comes out and goes, you know, this is what we really think they should be doing. This is what it should, and we're going to go after them, and we're going to encourage it, and we're going to point it out to them, we're going to do all this. If you're the one running the company, I hope that you're, strong enough to stand up and be like, I'm sorry, but that is not your place. You don't get to say that. I We run this company privately as a as a business, and we can put keep whoever we want on or off our site. And the idea that the White House feels so empowered that nobody even said, like, hey, let's just be careful with how we're going to word this. Let's, maybe, this is a, maybe this is a little bit of overreach. Maybe this is not our place. Is, there's nothing that's not the government's place anymore. Everything is the government's domain, and if you disagree, then you're a science-denying 
Trumpist who just doesn't care that people die. Pretty much. I mean, that's the low-hanging, that's the low-hanging fruit, right? They just group everybody into that exact category and, 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 and push forward. I mean, they're trying to do more and more of this. Like, this is, this is clearly a, uh, uh, a concerted effort to make sure that certain types of discussions are not had. I mean, we, we, we obviously we talked about Hunter Biden's story back in the day when, before, you know, pre-election, just a, a maybe a, the first of many shining examples where they just were not going to allow that story to be discussed because they knew the ramifications of it were too dire. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I, what? And could, we talked about the lab leak already here, and we're going to talk about ivermectin in a minute. And these are just these are just some of the examples. Like, this is where, I mean, I've always blamed the corporate media malfeasance on it's the byproduct of paying for clicks, of just trying to get sensationalized headlines in, and that's what it is. It can't be. Because what in the world, excuse me, could have been a more sensationalized headline than leading presidential candidate's son fill in the blank? Like, there's almost nothing you couldn't fill in that blank that would be accurate. Like, it, unbelievable selling access to his father. His father met with people when he was the vice president. We've talked a lot of times about the Chinese nuclear secrets deal that he was on the board of the company for. Uh, you have a witness that testifies Joe Biden is the big guy. And then somehow they found 50 former intelligence officers that came out and didn't say, hey, this is Russian disinformation. No, no, no. They were very careful with their wording. This has all the earmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign including actual videos of the guy on the alleged hard drive? Like, is that is that common for Russian disinformation? I, seriously. But again, this is where we'll go back to. Give me truth. Let me decide. Your job is to report it, not pick and choose what should what we are allowed to see. And the fact that you view your role as that, and now you're lamenting that Joe Rogan has a bigger audience than all of CNN combined. Want to know why? Because Joe Rogan gives the people what they want. They just want the truth. They want details. They want information. They don't want to be lied to. Some do. There are people still watching CNN. Everybody yeah. else, look, there's better sites to get your news. And I, I mean, I always single out CNN because I think they are the worst, but Fox News isn't much better. CNBC, if you just want to get the Wall Street talking points of everything you ever want, watch CNBC. All they'll do is they'll march out. A whole lot of people that are in that little black book, by the way, of Jeffrey Epstein, on there to tell you how they're going to save the world and nothing is wrong. There's a hilarious clip floating around from right after the 2008 uh, bailout where somebody was calling for Jamie Dimon to be fired, head of Chase, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, because he was presiding over like the largest fines that had ever been seen ever for any bank. And these people, and the guy pointed out, he goes, well, because they're doing illegal activity. And it was Marissa Bartolomo or whatever her name was like, oh, excuse me, do you have facts to back that up? And the guy's like, yeah, that this, this, this. She's like, oh, my God, no, that's not what that means at all. And I can't believe you would even say this. Why would the shareholders want him fired? Legal troubles aside, like leaving that off, why would they want him fired? And the guy's just staring back at her like, legal troubles aside, the guy's committing fraud. Like, Anybody could run this company. It's too big to fail. If you can't fail, then what is the only option? The government has deemed you too big to fail. What's the other option then? It doesn't matter who runs it. You're going to succeed. And now there's an actual tracker. This is the funniest thing in the world. There's an actual tracker for J.P. Morgan crimes and violations. And it just keeps an up-to-date look on all of the illegal things they do and all of the unethical things they do and all the outright felony counts versus the violations versus the misdemeanors. 
And this is a bank that is fully insured by the federal government. Meaning if that bank keeps on continuing to commit fraud and then eventually loses all its money, the federal government, taxpayers, you and me, we're on the hook. We got to pay for it. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So this is where I'm going back to like circle back around to White House flagging social media. Stop. Just please, you stink at every single thing that you touch except killing people. Please stop. Just get out. And we should all have way less trust in politicians than we do. We should stop giving these people the benefit of the doubt. We should. What have they done to earn it? Uh, I'm not going to go there. Um, I can tell you what they are trying to do in Los Angeles County right now. Reinstituting mask mandates. Yeah, you're gonna excited about going to the LA and mask up. God, no, I'm not going to LA. And so the, uh, I'm not gonna pretend pretend that Murthy, U.S. Surgeon General here, uh, is also on the uh, mask bandwagon now, trying to say that uh, we're gonna have to re-institute uh, mask mandates uh, with the rise of the Delta variant. I just want to make sure that we are all on the same page. Masks don't stop an aerosolized virus. That is why for the up until June of this year, the CDC and the World Health Organization refused to acknowledge that the virus was aerosolized because if it was, then masks were useless. And then the evidence became overwhelming, at least to the CDC. The World Health Organization still is not sure where they want to come down on this. But masks don't work to stop an aerosolized virus, to even slow down an aerosolized virus at all, you need to have a custom fit filtration mask like an N95 that you have to get fitted for every year and you got to make sure there's no way for it to leak out. If you're throwing a piece of paper or cloth over your face in hopes that that will stop you, again, not from getting the virus because I wear my mask to protect you. Don't forget that. Okay. Talk to Megan Mansell about source I, control. We did. Oh, it's yeah. the dumbest argument ever. And the only reason they're able to get away with masks having no efficacy is because they're not personal protective equipment because there's actual guidelines that they would have to meet for personal protective equipment. But by call, by claiming that it's source control, they skirt around all the requirements of, ec- of efficacy whatsoever. So, and then also, it's I would be remiss if we didn't point this out again. Pre-symptomatic spread and asymptomatic spread combined account for 0.3 to 0.7% of all cases of COVID. And that is a very generous estimate. What the hell are we doing? Why are these even still on the table? Why do people still have faith that this could work? It doesn't work everywhere that wore masks. COVID spread. Everywhere that didn't wear masks. COVID spread. There was no distinction, no difference, no correlation. And they're jumping to causation. 87 studies all show that masks work. No, they don't. You just set different parameters. They see how effective they are at stopping droplets. Cool, but what about aerosols? Shut up. Oh, my bad. Yeah, well, I will say at least the uh, L.A. County Sheriff says he's not going to enforce the mandate. So we'll see how that does. You know, businesses can still do that. I was asked of... uh, uh, Outgoing Mayor de Blasio, what he thought about the mask mandate, and he says the simple answer is no, we're not going back to the uh, mask mandate. Uh, That does not mean that there are other uh, city officials, uh, city councilman uh, Mark Levin or Levine, 
I'm going to give you his, his, his tweet was, the rule of thumb should be, in indoor settings where there is no screening or vax test, test status, everyone should wear a mask. You're an idiot, Mark Levine. Yeah. Levin, whatever. You yeah. are not smart. Like The level of ignorance in that statement is so remarkable. It's it's just unfathomable how stupid that actually is. Like I said, there's you know we don't have anything yet here uh, in large part because I think Florida and Texas messed up the plan to kind of keep us locked down for as long as we could. Oh yeah, uh, because they couldn't. You know, other countries have not had these rogue entities being able to kind of point in a different direction. Uh, a lot of these countries are going back into lock. I mean, Australia is in their fifth lockdown. Uh, UK, but there's a bunch of protests going on. Like London's been under protests. Uh, you know, about an oppressive uh, uh, COVID regime there. So um, I'm guessing that a third round of this is going to be extremely unpopular. Not that the first two were popular by any means, but I think most people, it's it's like they've, they've they even the people who were into it the first two times, I say into it as because as, I don't yeah. have a real word, are feel like they've did their part and now we're in a different spot and, okay, we're over this. It's over. Let's play a fun game called Let's Return to March of 2020 when we did all this the first time. The idea was two weeks to slow the spread to avoid overwhelming the healthcare system. And then what happened? Outside of New York City, the healthcare system not only didn't get overwhelmed, almost had to go out of business because they were so under, they had too few patients in there to make money. At the same time, this is going on. COVID starts spreading in New York. We started putting people on ventilators and we started counting anybody that had a positive COVID test state by state within the previous four weeks or 60 days. And then they died was a COVID death. And they said, well, we just want to be sure. Okay, cool. That was a year and a half ago. Why have we not gone back and looked at what the real number is? Can anybody give me a legitimate reason? Like we don't have one person in the CDC who's got nothing to do on a Friday and could maybe start going through for a few hours a week. So it would take. It's the same reason that I said about Andrew Cuomo in New York State. You don't have one intern that could go back and start parsing out nursing home deaths. Not one about to see what the actual number is. Like you, you, they don't want to know. They didn't want to know. That was the problem. And now with this, again, if you are supporting or even understanding and willing to acquiesce to more masks and lockdowns, here's my question for you. What in the world would you have to see to be convinced that they don't work? I genuinely don't understand. Like you just said, Australia's on their fifth lockdown. So the first four didn't work. You can't lock down forever. This doesn't come with no cost. This is insane. Like we're just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And people are cheering for this. And then people are looking at anybody on the other side going, no, like, oh, you're dangerous. You're out here spreading disinformation. No, you're spreading disinformation. I'm trying to spread some objectivity. Yes, if you have symptoms and you might have COVID, sure, put a mask on. But just understand, it's not going to do much. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. This is what the data actually says. Is it minimally helpful? Sure, in very short settings. That's it. In very, very short time frames because, again, the mask is not a force field. It doesn't destroy the virus on contact like bleach and UV rays injected into the bloodstream. Sorry, I couldn't help myself with that. But... It just sits there, and then you successively breathe on it over and over. And guess what happens? It aerosolizes even the droplets. So in a lot of ways, instead of a droplet that would go out like seven to eight feet and then drop, it now aerosolizes, and it becomes a random particulate. I know that's not the proper word, but I can't remember it. But it's gravity has no impact. So instead of just going out and then dropping, it just hovers in the air for hours. 
hours. It's amazing. It's actually harmful. And it gives people the false sense of security. Like, I have a mask on, so I'm fine. In the same way of, like, people that are getting vaccinated now, cool. It's not a. It's not going to stop everything. And at some point, you have to accept you can't stop everything bad from happening. I know a lot of people die. I, I understand that. We're a country of 330 million people. A lot of people die every single day in this country from various causes. Most people who get COVID at this point are not going to die. And now that we've stopped putting people on ventilators at the drop of a dime, less and less people are dying. Do you ever wonder why New York, New Jersey have such a disproportionate high number of the deaths, especially early on? It's not, it's not hard to understand. Like, once you actually look at it, it's really sad, but it's not hard to understand. And then we do have things that actually have a positive impact that are far more effective than masks, that are far more effective than social distancing and lockdowns. And not only do our leading scientists ignore them, they actively cover them up and falsify them. I'm talking specifically about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. I'm not saying hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin are wonder drugs, but the idea that they have minimal to no impact is not supported by data. And the idea that they come with any significant risk is complete nonsense, is poppycock. Is that still a thing? Sure. People still it say that. You I just like brought it. it back. Bringing it back. Um, there are no side effects to these and hydroxychloroquine came out and the, the basic only claim was if you give it to somebody very early on at a normal dose, it appears to have a significant impact on mortality, something like 70 to 85% drop in mortality. Hey, how much, how much time do we spend studying that overall? Like none, none whatsoever. We were too busy fast tracking an MRNA vaccine that, I will, we'll get into that in a minute before we talk about ivermectin. I'm going to come back to that. And then, not only that, we there were studies that got published with completely falsified data. And our leading scientists and doctors in the world went, see, hydroxychloroquine is dangerous. Like, what? No, it's not. It's, it's like one of the safer drugs. We give it to nursing women and elderly people for malaria. Like, what do you mean it's dangerous? You didn't find that odd? Oh, well, it shows it's ineffective and people are having adverse reactions. Yeah, she gave him four times the recommended dosage on day 14. I, it's like testing. I, never mind, I made that analogy before I'm going to leave it alone. So we just we covered it up, even though it had an impact on mortality. Not an impact on spread necessarily, but it, it did affect. Instead, we approved remdesivir. We approved that. It's still approved today, despite no impact on spread, no impact on mortality. But if you were going to get better, you get out of the hospital about two days earlier. So that's a big deal. Even the World Health Organization came around and was like, yeah, you, you shouldn't use ivermectin. It, it doesn't do anything. FDA is the only FDA-approved drug. Remdesivir. Remdesivir. <clears throat> you said ivermectin. My bad. Remdesivir. They haven't even commented on ivermectin yet. Yeah. So before we get into ivermectin, <coughs> let's talk about mRNA vaccines just for a hot second. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So some people, myself included, are a little hesitant because we call this drug experimental. We call this technology brand new. And then the, com the comeback is always, no, it was thought up in the 70s, and they've been working on it since 2003 in development, and they do all this. Okay, I'll concede your point. So you're telling me they've been working on it for 18 years, if 2003 today. So let's go 17, because it was last year when it was approved. So with all that time, why is it only on emergency use authorization? Why were you unable to get full approval for mRNA vaccine technology over the previous 18 years. Right, Why do you it, not have enough data to get a full approval? Yeah, because it wasn't safe enough. 
I mean, listen, I, you take whatever answer you want, but there's one of two things that is true. Either it is brand new and the um, state of COVID required emergency use authorization for an untested, unproven drug, or it's not brand new. We've been working on it forever and it couldn't meet the standards to get full authorization. I, you're telling me there was no reason no, nobody ever wanted to use this for anything until COVID happened. Like now they're talking about using it for the flu. They didn't, they didn't want to try that three years ago. They've been working on it for 13 years. If it's so miraculous, so wonderful, so good and effective and safe, why are we unable to get full approval for an mRNA flu vaccine at some point between, I don't know, 2003 and 2019? Why? That's an unsettling question. Why, why were we not able to? I really would love an answer for this. Why is it emergency use if we have been working on this for 18 years, as all the, the heavy pro-vaccine pro vaccine mandate people like to say? Why? 18 years is a long time to be studying a drug and then get emergency use so you don't have to like go through your full data sets and full findings and disclose everything. That's weird. Makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And if only if there was a <clears throat> a way for those who were uncomfortable to uh, treat themselves prophylactically against COVID with a cheap and readily available drug. Well, that would just be wild. <laughs> but we have one. Let's so let's let's do this ivermectin thing. But let's let's first give a little bit of a backdrop of what ivermectin is. I know we covered this in a previous show, but this is a a drug basically that won the Nobel Prize. Um, it has been administered 4 billion times, uh, safely 4 billion times, very, one of the safest drugs ever put out, put forward. Um, it has been used for decades and effectively for decades. And we have some real life examples of people who were using ivermectin, not for COVID, but because they were using it prophylactically for other things and speci- specifically Africa, we had some test cases arise out naturally from these states that were using ivermectin prophylactically, and they all had significant reductions in deaths and hospitalizations. So it kind of stood out. People looked further. People started doing more trials. There's been something like 54 trials now for ivermectin, all showing positive results, some of them significant positive results, again, in hospitalizations and in deaths. Not perfection, but very positive results. Yeah, And similar to what you were saying with the hydroxychloroquine is that Timing of the treatment matters. And if you're doing it prophylactically, obviously you have to have it before you have the disease. So it doesn't work. That's how prophylactic um, works. Now, there is some evidence that ivermectin also works as a treatment for people who have COVID. Uh, there is uh, a mechanism where ivermectin actually bonds to the spike protein and makes it you know, muted, basically. So th- there's all this science. We talked about how Brett Weinstein's podcast uh, with Dr. Pierre Corey and Stephen Kirsch was taken down. Um, it was also taken down. He had one with Dr. Malone who was talking about the vaccines also taken down. So this kind of goes back to the uh, the flagging of and the censorship of social media posts, especially when you're talking about discussions among scientists talking about, you know, data, which is mind boggling to me. Um, but so we have this ivermectin and we have some real life we have multiple, a handful, more than a handful. Um, I'm going to cover three or four of them here today of real life exp- uh, patients who were in New York. Um, first one, Judith Smekovitz. Say that again. I got nothing. Smekovitz. Um, 80 year old on a ventilator. Her grandson 
discovers ivermectin online through misinformation. Misinformation. Sure. Um, talks to, uh, gets the protocol from, I believe, the frontline COVID care, uh, critical care uh, folks. Coalition. They have a protocol. They have a protocol that they have for, that says the early treatment of, of uh, COVID. Yeah. They supplied the Millard Fillmore Suburban Hospital with this protocol. They originally gave her one dose of ivermectin. She was off the ventilator in 48 hours and talking and speaking and up. She gets transferred to a new wing. They refuse to give her additional ivermectin. So they, so the first, the, the grandson's like, here, here's a protocol. Okay, we'll do it. It works. They're like, they transfer. Nope, we're not going to do it anymore. So this grandson then sues or enlists a lawyer to sue, and they bring suit against Millard Fillmore Hospital, and they win, and they are forced to administer ivermectin, and she is now home. So successfully healed and... Think about the absurdity of the sentence. We're forced to administer the safest drug known to man. Yes. <laughs> this is like getting a court order to give somebody Advil. Yeah. And like I said, the thing is, it doesn't really stop there, too. There's been multiple cases of this exact same thing happening. So another one was a physician, uh, I feel like in Olean County. Um, I think it was. But there was a, uh, a physician whose wife had COVID, and he said... I want her to take ivermectin, and they refused. And again, he enlisted the same lawyer that the previous patient's grandson had uh, found. Uh, I might as well give a plug to Ralph C. Larigo, since he's doing yeoman's work out there in the uh, ivermectin world in New York. Go, Ralph. Um, and so, again, now these are these are all been taken to, they, when they the, the courts have been accepted, they're going to the, uh, the, the New York State Supreme Court. So, the first one was, uh, uh, let's see, it was uh, Supreme Court Justice Henry Nowak was uh, the first one who aligned with the family and awarded or mandated the uh, hospital administer the ivermectin. And then a second one, um, I'm going to try to find the judge's name here because I want to give that dude credit too. Um, but there's been three that I know of different justices who have sided with these families by mandating these treatments that are being recommended in the hospital refusing, which I don't understand. I know the, the argument the hospital made to the judge was that, well, the doctor should be making those decisions, not the, not the family. And really it's literally backwards, literally backwards. And the judge thankfully agreed. And again, ruled in favor of this um, physician's wife who was not doing well and now is also completely covered, recovered. Um, and there's another one, uh, trying to think of the other hospital that it was in too, but there's at least there's at least five cases that I've seen so far. One like Long Island and four in Western New York, where hospitals were refusing to administer ivermectin at the urging of the family. Somebody had you know asked them to do that, and they said no. Multiple of these people were on ventilators and all recovered by using ivermectin. And this again, these are just a, a, a handful of stories that took court orders to get them treated, but it's happening in, in real, in real world. I mean, these are people who otherwise would probably be dead right now. I mean, one of these persons, they waited 80 hours for, for, for this judge ruling. So they, they, this person was on a ventilator. Three straight days. Just waiting this out. My God. Just waiting it out. Oh, and, and by the way, if you're at the point where you're on a ventilator, that's when ivermectin is at its least effective. That's the least effective. And this is happening. Yeah. And like I said, the, the, the lady who was that lady who was on for 80 hours there 
literally 24 hours after they administered the ivermectin, she was off of the ventilator. Correlation it's, doesn't mean causation, Sean. It's, it's happening in real time. And I don't know how you can work in one of these hospitals or be a health professional and see this and then just turn a blind eye to it and not being like screaming, jumping up and down, being like, okay, we have something over here. We've seen some things that I know you guys don't want to believe it. I know the World Health Organization or whatever it is, the FDA doesn't necessarily approve of um, ivermectin as a treatment. The NIH is neutral on it. But there's also, there's other types of evidence and this is real life. Like it's, it's more than anecdotal evidence. These are, there's a, there's a building mountain of evidence that these patients are being basically mistreated by not being ivermectin. And all these people who are vaccine hesitant, like if you could tell them, Hey, this, this drug is super safe. We've administered 4 billion times. This, this will save you from getting one of the experimental vaccines and you're, and you're, and you're probably going to be just as safe. And why would we not be using this? doesn't make any sense. So it's cheap and nobody can make money. Right. And obviously we've, t- we touched about that in a previous episode that there's all these built in, uh, you know, obstacles for a drug like ivermectin to be implemented globally, because again, there's no incentive to do it other than saving people's lives. But the people of uh, that incentive is, uh, lost on our, our big pharma folks. So, um, I don't know. I just wanted to make sure that people, uh, they've heard been hearing us talk about ivermectin for a while, um, and we didn't mention any of this stuff that was actually going on right in New York. Um, but there's cases right here in New York that are being where ivermectin is, is winning and, and, and saving patients. I mean, listen, when you're in that position, all right, you're on a ventilator, you got COVID, whatever, you're, you're not responding well. And somebody came to you and said, look, we've got this thing. It's sort of a trial basis. We don't really know. But it's a long history with the drug. There's, there's really no significant side effects on record. Um, and it, it might be effective, maybe like, uh, 75% chance that it's effective and about a, let's go 0.1% chance of side effects. You want to give it a shot? Who's saying no? Like, that's my question. If you're doing a risk cost risk analysis, all right, like, excuse me, risk benefit analysis, how do you end up saying no on this? Like there's so little risk. And even if it's not you know, 100% effective, but it's still, let's go with very conservative, 80% effective. What? Who would say no to that? And why are hospitals getting in the way? And why are public health officials saying, no, this is why you have people who are vaccine hesitant is because you're lying to people over and over like natural immunity and people that have recovered we know that they have good immunity. This is what all the science says. And, and then instead of just embracing that and saying, thank God, you come out with some nonsensical study that says, well, if you compare the vaccine immunity to natural immunity, it appears that the antibody response is stronger in the vaccine immunity. Therefore, we believe it's likely that the vaccine immunity will prove to be superior to natural immunity down the road. Sounds really smart. Everybody can now come out and say how even if you had it, you should still get vaccinated because you'll be better protected, except that's that's a bioindicator. That's because you have more antibodies. We assume that down the road you're you have a stronger immune response. But the Cleveland Clinic, I think it was a Cleveland and Mayo Clinic. I think it was a Cleveland Clinic did a test on their all their people that had it and got recovered versus those that had immunity. And they said when you factor in T cell and I think it's B cell immunity, uh, the people that have natural immunity or had even a mild case have a much stronger immune response, full immune response, much stronger protection than the people that were vaccinated. That is actual science. 
what we got on the other hand was, well, it indicates that it might be this. And that is for some reason what all of our public health officials are going with. And you can't figure out why people are skeptical. You, you come out and it last April, they had the initial ivermectin in a cell and said it killed the COVID immediately. Okay, that's not conclusive. You got to try it. You got to dose people. You got to do whatever else. And you got to try it. Cool. We didn't even look into it. The NIH didn't fund a study. They, they finally came around because they were shamed into it three or four weeks ago into funding a study on ivermectin that somehow is going to take 17 months to complete this randomized control trial funded by the NIH. Just in time, probably. Right, like Just in March time for the end of, of lockdown. 2023 is, is the earliest we could find out if this drug is effective and safe. Meanwhile, there are tests. There's meta-analysis from all over the world. Analyses? Analysis, yeah. Sure. From all over the world that are showing, again, not perfect, but very effective. Yeah, I will, I'm going to piggyback on that only because one, so Tess Lowry put out a, what she was, the, the big meta-analysis uh, study that was done um, is now the uh, the haters are trying to uh, knock one paper that was done, part of the meta-analysis, and saying that that was a bogus paper and it was retracted. Fair, I mean, it was retracted. Um, that being said, she just, with a basically a couple clicks, refigured the meta-analysis by removing the paper, and now it's actually shows it's the effectiveness is probably better, but the confidence in that effectiveness is not quite as good, but barely different. So, like, basically nothing changed in this article by removing the one by the one. And, you know, the meta-analysis, it accounts for the idea that there may be errors in these studies and i'm assuming there's errors in many studies and that that's Hence why we have confidence factor right. and so the idea that um you know that these studies were small in nature you compound the viability of those studies by adding them and doing this meta-analysis of all the studies and it takes away some of those it smooths out some of the edges some of the the, the warts on some of these individual studies because if one study's underdosing or one study's overdosing through the compilation of all of the studies you kind of find a, a, a medium and this is what they're they, you know this 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 study has showed basically hey there's a significant reduction in deaths and hospitalizations with early treatment of ivermectin there's really no disputing that anymore it's just a question of why are we not administering at this point and you know the the obvious answer is is because there wouldn't be no need for a vaccine and the emergency youth authorization would be questioned and go away and all these drug companies would be SOL, but that's what needs to happen. And I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I, you know, I'll, I'll repeat what Dr. Corey says. He's basically in the future, it is going to be known that ivermectin is the best treatment for COVID. Yeah. We just don't know it. We, we just not acknowledge it yet, but it is going to be. Uh, yeah. Like it's sad. It's it. This is my point. Like just to go a little further on this of, if you want to know why people are skeptical, it's because you keep lying. You, you kept lying. Even when the data was very clear on children, you kept lying. Even when the data is very clear on masks, you keep lying. Even when the data is very clear on ivermectin, you keep lying. Even when the data is crystal clear on natural immunity and recovered immunity, you keep lying. So all the lies go in the same direction. And then I don't know what your goal is. I, I don't. I, I don't know what public health officials, I don't know what Dr. Fauci, I don't know what Joe Biden, I don't know what any of these people are going for. I don't care because it's not truth. So, no, I'm not just going to go along because I don't trust you any longer. And it's very re simple why. 
you keep lying. And then you're like, why don't you trust me? Well, because you keep lying. I had a friend of mine reach out and said, what would it take for you to start trusting these people again? I would say, well, to stop lying would be a good first step. Like, like, give, give me something I can believe. Right. Like, say something truthful. Say something that actually, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, every once t- in a while, but for oh the most God. part, you're right. Everything, everything leans one way. Right. And it's not an accident. That's my problem is, yeah, no, there is people that the, the study should have been pulled from the meta-analysis. It was a nonsensical study. It was bad science. Cool. Pull it. The data still stays the same. It didn't change much. Um, the problem is there's no longer Fauci at all. Your goal is not actual help and prevention and objective truth. It's, it's clearly not your goal, at least not the primary goal. So I don't know what your primary goal is, but my primary goal is still objective truth. That's it. Is I want to understand the severity, the risk, the the benefits, all of this to every possible treatment. Because, no, I don't want people to die of COVID unnecessarily. Now we're talking about the Delta variant could be way more deadly. It's not. It's It seems to be more um, contagious, but less deadly, as is the natural evolution of a virus. Also, we're ignoring or minimizing every side effect of the vaccine, which people are having them. People are getting heart problems, nerve 400, damage. 400,000 adverse events. Like that's... 9,000 9, deaths. But you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to bring it up because people look at you like you're nuts. I had a guy over at my house two weeks ago that they looked at me like I was insane when he found out I wasn't vaccinated. Like, what? What is wrong with you? What are you so... You a tinfoil hat or whatever else? Like, yeah. No, it's because I don't know enough. That's the problem. And I just, I smiled at him and I was, I was polite about it and of like, yeah, no, good for you. I'm happy for you that, that you are. Why would I get vaccinated? And he's like, I don't even want to talk to you about it. I'm like, all right, fine. Like, I, I won't come to your house. Don't worry. But you're in my house right now. So, yeah, if yeah, you want exactly. to discuss it, I'm happy to. But you got to discuss it with somewhat of an open mind. And, and the problem is people don't want it because now I don't understand what's happening. I don't think anybody else really does either. And if they do, like, I don't know where you get. I hope it's just a money grab. That's what I keep going back to. But this is really, really like they're they don't even care. Like the idea that they could get caught isn't even on their radar. They just it, like it's they, they've been caught. They know they're caught. They just, they just they just keep going with it. Right, and they just keep lying. They're, they're the they're the big boy version of Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, this is this is wild stuff. Like, look, I, masks are incredibly ineffective outside of a very specific circumstance for any aerosolized virus. This has been known for decades. Lockdowns do not work as an effective way of blocking the spread of a flu-like respiratory virus. This, again, has been known for decades and has been advised for decades not to do it. Ivermectin is very effective at killing COVID-19. This has been fairly obvious, let me say, six months, to be very, very conservative, for at least six months, because that's about when the Argentina study came out with the people in the hospital and none of them got COVID who had been treating with ivermectin. And like 60% of the people that didn't take ivermectin got COVID. So at that, that point, you have to at least acknowledge, all right, this is pretty strong data. So that was that was in August of last year. But we ignore it. And the, the data on natural immunity, this is, I think, the first red flag for me was the studies that were coming out, they were testing natural immunity as early as last April. I think the first study came out, and there's about five of them done from different parts of the world. Every one of them came back and said somewhere between 20 and 60% of the population has pre-existing immunity to COVID-19. And we just ignored it like it wasn't a thing. And then the data on asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic spread came out, and it was virtually non-existent. 
virtually less than one half of 1% of all cases are spread this way. And we have everybody wearing masks. And then the data on children came out. Don't get it. Don't really get sick. Don't. The only children that actually died of COVID-19 are children that had a predisposition to risk from a respiratory virus. They had a medical condition that made them more susceptible to harm from a respiratory illness. Children, by and large, zero risk. Don't effectively spread it. Don't give it to each other. And we shut down schools. And we masked our children in schools for a full year. I, listen, these kids are, I, I've seen it firsthand. Like, this is a setback. There's no way to do this effectively. And we're lying. We're lying to these children, acting as if they're somehow benefiting the teachers or protecting their loved ones when they're at no risk of spreading this. I shouldn't say no risk. Virtually no risk of spreading it overall. So we're lying about natural immunity. We're lying about masks. We're lying about the risk to children. We're lying about the risk to young people in general because if you're under the age of 65, you want to know what your actual risk is of dying of COVID? obesity. That's it. And a handful of other significant medical conditions, but the most common one is obesity. That's it. Get outside and get healthy. Outdoor transmission. Remember that nonsense? We went on with that for months after it was obvious that didn't happen. And that UV rays are actually like the best thing in the world. If you have it, if to not get it is to be outside. And you, we, forgot, you forgot to mention the hypersensitive testing. Oh my God, I did. I forgot about the PCR testing where we know that anything above 35 cycles, 97% false positive rate, 97%. And all the people on our side of the argument we're asking for was just disclose the cycle threshold with a positive test because it's not meant to be the same. It's like using the Richter scale and calling any seismic activity an earthquake. That's bananas. Of course, it's not an earthquake. We're not going to make public policy based on that. Just give us the cycle threshold with the positive result. And we just got told to shut up and go away. And we didn't know what we were talking about. Even the guy who invented the test said this is a terrible idea before he died. Yeah. And, you know, and our, to our point, uh, they set the cycle threshold to 28 when they were testing the vaccinated people. Yeah, that's messed up. And now they're saying, like, vaccine, vaccinated people are way less of the spread. Of course, because you're testing them differently. Turn them back up to 40 like you do everybody else and let's find out. Because, uh, listen, you might be right. That might be accurate. But we don't know. Because you're you're tipping the scale. You put your thumb on it and you're like, this one weighs more. Like, well, no. Let's find out what really happens. But again, the goal is no longer truth. That is not the goal of our public health officials or government, shockingly enough. Just ask the former president of Haiti. But I don't understand what the goal is, but... All of this stuff should be unsettling to you. It should be because this is weird. Why are we doing this? Why are we? Well, we just, I mean, with vaccinated people, the concern is just if they get sick. Shouldn't that be the concern with unvaccinated people too? Wouldn't that be like if I got COVID, never had a symptom, and then fully recovered, I'm at virtually no risk of spreading it to anybody else regardless, and I have at no health risk. And now on top of it, I have immunity more than likely for a very long time. Robust immunity, even from a very mild case. Um, why are we not studying who has natural immunity to figure out what the characteristics are? Wouldn't that be something you would want to know is, holy crap, 20 to 50% of the population has pre-existing immunity. Well, I mean, unless you were trying to get everybody vaccinated. What's the commonality of those people? Oh, shut up, Jim. We got to get a vaccine out here. Like, oh, well, emergency use authorization. So this is like a brand new experimental vaccine. I don't think I want it. Oh, shut up, you science denier. It's been in existence for 15 years. Well, then why don't we have full authorization? Why is it only emergency use? Why is it not approved? In, in 18 years of development, why has this never been approved for any vaccine before? Shut up. It's an emergency and you could kill your grandmother. 
That's what the White House wants. They're what? They're, they're basically making all this scientists. We're going to uh, go door to door. <laughs> Holy crap. Where do we live? You're going to go door to door with a needle? No, no, it's not going to end well for you. I'm telling you right now, it's a bad idea. Don't do it. But we're, they're just lying yeah. over and over. And people are so, I don't even know what the right word is, eager to believe it. They don't want to hear the other side because it's like, well, you're just a, you know, an RFK QAnon Trump guy. Like I am none of these things. I am looking at all of the data and going, this does not add up to what you are saying. You are trying to convince me that one plus one is three and then getting angry at me when I go, no, it's not. I, like, or let's go a more complicated math problem is like, you're trying to tell me that 48,000 times 13 is four. And I'm going, I don't know what the answer is, but it's definitely not four. It's definitively, that's wrong. That is not true. 100%. Well, and then you're mad at me because I'm pointing out that the answer can't possibly be four. This is weird. You're a heathen. I don't understand why people are like so unwilling to, to even look at it objectively because there is no way you could draw this conclusion if you looked at it with any sort of objective analysis beyond blind trust. Yeah. Uh, I just, I trust science. Yeah, well, you should stop because this ain't science, all right? I don't yeah. know what this is, <laughs> yeah, but it's not what, science. I don't know what this is either. It's definitely not science. This is theater and propaganda at this point. Sorry, guys, but the studies that do come out, you have to struggle to find anything that is not yay vaccine, boo everything else. Yeah. But it's out there. And once you read it and you see and you compare the studies that are anti, and I, I don't want to call it anti-vaccine, that are anti um, the necessity of the vaccine for everyone. Anything that comes out to undermine that position versus the ones that come out in support of it. If you actually look at the data and how the tests are conducted, 10 times out of 10, the ones on this side win. 10 times out of 10, it's more thorough. It's better supporting data. It's better benchmarks, better standards, better outcomes. And it gets ignored. It's amazing. Yeah, we live in a crazy, the crazy dumbest world. time possible. We live in the dumbest time possible because you have access to unlimited information from around the world and no curiosity whatsoever. That's what's so sad about living in this time right now is watching people be willfully lied to and they can't bother to do 30 minutes of research on it on their own yeah, because they, they'd they rather want, they be wanna, lied to. They yeah, they don't want, but they, yeah, right. So they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to. They don't want to have to change their view, right? So they, yep. they don't want to have that information possessed to them. So, and this is where we'll go back to George Orwell, the freaking prophet that he turned out to be. They're lying. We know they're lying. They know we know they're lying. They continue to lie, guys. This doesn't go well from here. In any society, when you start accepting this, it typically doesn't get better. I, I'm sorry, it just doesn't. This just continues. Politicians don't give back power. Want to be authoritarians in government? Don't suddenly turn into libertarians and go, you know what? I trust the people. Think about this, the arrogance of the statement. Well, people spreading this information on the Internet are causing people to die. So the people that are dying are too stupid to look at something objectively and go, well, that's kind of crazy. And, well, this, does, this doesn't add up. Uh, so, you know what? Q was right. Uh, the vaccine is a microchip from Bill Gates, and uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to not take it. Uh, okay, if you choose to do that and you die, sorry, that was the risk you took. 
But the idea that you, these people are so stupid they can't possibly discern what is good data from bad data without Joe Biden's help. Yeah. God help us. The same people that peddled Russia conspiracy theories for five straight Listen, years. Bi- Biden, w- Biden and Harris were both anti-vaccine when it was Trump's vaccine. I am aware of that fact, and it's <laughs> nuts. Like, well, Donald Trump's got P-tapes from this Russian dossier. You're like, okay. And Vladimir Putin is basically in the White House with the puppet strings. And look at all these ads on Facebook. There's the proof. Eleven people were uh, charged and arrested. How many for actual, like, treason involving Russia? Well, none. They were all process crimes from, like, lying to the FBI or tax evasion from 13 years ago. Um, what? Oh, we've got, I've seen the evidence. Uh, it's rock solid. There's no denying it. And then they get them under oath. What's the evidence? Well, there, there's really no hard evidence, but there's this, uh, we, we're connecting dots. Okay, now I'm supposed to just put my absolute faith in you to tell me what is real and what is disinformation? And again, I'm, I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna inject the media in there because they're the they're the buffer. They're the they're the they're supposed to be the translator from the actual news and get it to the people, and they don't they don't care to do it. So how hard but can I, will I say, pass? Yeah. Hard pass. It's the hardest pass possible. No, I don't want you telling me what is and is not good information. I will say what all this does do, Ben, is makes for excellent podcast episodes. So it's I'm all fired <laughs> on that, up now. On that note, uh, we will have more of this to uh, talk about on next Monday. Hell yeah. Because it doesn't end. No, it's not like all of a sudden they're going like, to have this Maya culpa moment. We're like, hey, guys, sorry. We're so far down the road now. It's unbelievable. Do not accept more mask mandates. Do not accept more lockdowns. Do not accept vaccine passports or mandates because we don't need them. This is not supported by any type of data or science. A woman. I got to take a nap. All right, folks. On that note. I'm not even going to ask Ben for any more words because he just ran out. Um, We'll see you all again next Monday. If you haven't already, be sure to uh, share and uh, like this video. Tell all your friends, tell all your family. You can subscribe to the channel by hitting that uh, subscribe button there, and then you can get notified when we go live. Uh, If you hit that notification bell, you'll be alerted to uh, when we go live uh, next Monday, uh, right around the same time here at 12 p.m. So on that note, Mr. Hughesong, thank you for joining us, and uh, thank you all uh, for joining us, and we will see you all again next Monday.